Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows more isn't always better. Unless we're talking about full-size vans. These beasts do more than get you from A to B. They have so much space a man can live in it. With shag carpeting, waterbed, and a sweet lava lamp, these mobile abodes have all the comforts of home. With quality parts and plenty of Napa know-how, you can keep the original tiny house running longer, stronger. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Welcome to Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. Happy 4th of July. This is Publishing Lane, and I'm Margie Lane Klubine. Every month on the very first Tuesday, we share publishing tips at 7 p.m. Central. Now, our most recent shows have shared about some really pertinent and even basic issues. Um, Back in April, Dina Netherton and I discussed the four types of publishing. Okay, yes, there are four types of publishing. I know you think, wait a minute, there's only traditional publishing and indie publishing. That's really all there is to it. No, there are four different kinds of publishing. And for your manuscript, traditional, you may not want to wait for being a traditional author, but you also may not have the skills that it takes to be an indie author. Um, There are other options for you, so don't figure that you have to settle for one or the other just because that's the only option. Go back and take a listen to our April um, Publishing Lane program because we do go through the, the pros and cons of all four. Not that one is better than the other, but that one might be better for your manuscript than the others. And so you'll want to make sure that you get all of your information before you make a decision on which way to go with your publishing. Um, And I'll actually going to be talking about that just a little bit more. Um, In May, I had the fabulous Jackie Castle on the show with me, and she is an extremely successful indie author. Um, she is so good at what she does. She writes, um, she writes fantasy. She also writes romance, but she is so good at knowing what she does that we actually, I actually had her on as my expert for independent authoring, for independent writing, and independent publishing because I mean she knows the world of independent authors. And um, so we talked about that in considerable length. Then last month um, in June, I had Kristen Hogreth, um, who is a new author for me, but she is just getting her feet wet in the dystopian uh, genre, which is also a fairly new genre. Um, I've had, I've actually mentioned that word to people and, and folks are looking at me Uh, like I have three eyes, dystopian. Um, In fact, I had somebody said the other day, I've heard of utopian, but what is dystopian? Well, actually, it's kind of the opposite of utopian. If you think of utopian or utopia, you think Shangri-La, where everything is perfect and everyone smiles and, you know, Stepford, um, like the Stepford wives. Okay, I know I'm, I'm digging way, way back. 
um, to uh, going back into um, the history of uh, my history and old, old, old programs when I say Stepford Wives, but it's that kind of a everything's perfect. Uh, there's there's no issues. Everything, everybody is happy, 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 joy, joy. Um, dystopian is kind of the opposite of that, but not entirely, um, because even though it's not a happy, happy, joy, joy situation, um, there is still. Uh, hope in a lot of of the writing now in some of the writing if you're familiar with hunger games or divergent um a lot of that there is there's not a lot of hope in fact some of those books in kind of negatively kind of like oh my gosh i can't believe i actually wasted my time on this not not seriously because the books are amazing but when you get to the end, it leaves you with such a bitter taste in your mouth that it almost feels fruitless. It almost it almost feels like wasted effort. Um, Kristen, for instance, her her first book was called uh, her first book in her dystopian series. Her dystopian series um, is called The Rogues, and then her first book in that was called um, The Revisionary, and The Revisionary her whole series has hope all the way through it just just laced in with everything going on and it is a desperate situation the the definition of dystopian is something that's not working um whereas utopian is everything works dystopian is not working um, and a lot of times it's post-apocalyptic so in Kristen's book, The Apocalypse Has Happened, in a different way than we expected. I, I really liked the way she did that. Um, and everyone is thrown back into a kind of lifestyle that um, instead of like, I don't know about y'all, but I am so plugged into my computer. I went to Alaska a few weeks ago, and oh, I loved Alaska. It was amazing. But I did go into withdrawal because I did not bring my computer along. I On purpose, I did not bring my computer along. And I had no internet and no phone uh, connection with my kids. And I, by the time we were done with our trip, I was ready to be home, just, just ready to be connected again. So, um, in a dystopian society, in this dystopian society, there was none of that. You had no connections. In many places, you didn't even have electricity. And that's typical of a lot of dystopian books. Um, and so when last month when we were talking, when I was talking with Kristen Hogarth back in June, we were talking about crafting this kind of a story world, um, crafting the um, the the type of of dystopian world and and where to start because especially when you're writing fantasy or dystopian it all comes from within i mean where does this lot where does this world come from you just build it jackie has that experience too with her allegory white road chronicles she she has built a substantial story world with that series um and i'm looking forward to Kristen's next book in her rogues series that's going to be an awful lot of fun next year um this month I, I'm doing it a little bit different. I want to give you tips and tricks, as many ideas as I can. Okay, I'm sorry. The Hick accent is starting to come out a little bit. Sorry about that. I want to give you 
as many tips and tricks as I can to help you when you're sharing your manuscripts with agents and editors going toward a traditional um, avenue. Um, kind of from the other side of the desk, I know that from the authors, I've been on the author side of the desk. I've been over there. And I know how frustrating it can be. I know how how patient you have to be and how and the perseverance you have to have. I know that. And it's important to also know the other side of the desk and what's going on through the editor's mind, what's going on through the agent's mind. Um, so I am going to be talking about the traditional type of publishing. Um, we talked about independent a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago. So this time I'm going for the traditional. Particularly, I'm going to share some do's and don'ts about contacting agents and editors about your book. I'm, I, there really are some specific, yes, this is right, and no, this is wrong. I, a lot of times it's all gray, but not this time. This time there really are some not gray, black and white areas. Um, and, and yes, that's the plan. I, I'm going to get through a few other things before I actually get there, but that's what I really want to share with you today. Um, Traditional publishing is not necessarily the most difficult type of publishing. In fact, it's really the easiest type of publishing once you get on with the company. Um, and, and I don't think too many authors would disagree with me with that. Um, the publishing company really does take a huge bear off your shoulders when it comes to putting your book out there. Now, in, no matter what company you're with, you are still responsible for selling your book. It's a partnership. They're going to do everything they can to help you, but it's your book. And so if you're not working and actively making contacts and getting it into different people's hands, uh, going and talking to people, bringing it to, to, to sell or showing up and doing um, author signings at different bookstores and things. If you're not doing those things then and your book's not selling, it's not your publisher's fault. It, it, you need to, and it doesn't really matter whose fault it is. The point is we need to get those books in the hands of readers especially when they're Christian books, because they're the Lord's work. I mean, that's part of making an impact as Christians. Our goal is to make an impact on the culture around us, right? And so getting our books, getting our words into the hands of readers, that's our goal. Um, if, we're, if we want to be writers, that's our goal is to make an impact with our words. And so anything that you can do, you should be doing. So all that is to say... Um, traditional publishing is not any harder than any other kind of publishing. In many cases, it's easier, but only easier once you get on with the company. And getting on with the company takes perseverance. It takes patience. It takes determination. It takes um, patience. It takes... It takes doing whatever it takes to give yourself, to put yourself on the best shine. And Oh, and did I say patience? I think I mentioned patience. Patience is really, really, really key. Um, patience and a submissive attitude. Um, if, you, if you're full of pride and you think your book is the ultimate, then you're going to need to take a step back um, and... and 
and realize that there are an awful lot of amazing books out there. And especially if you're a first-time author, your book may be all that and a bag of chips, but the publisher isn't going to want to see that in your attitude. The publisher wants to see in your attitude a teachable attitude. I'm going to go through that in a minute too. Um, especially in today's today's environment, I I have to tell you when I started in Christian publishing um, several several years ago. There were a lot of avenues. In fact, it was kind of a heyday for Christian fiction. And in in the past, a lot or in this past several years, a lot of people would say that it's been reduced by at least 30%. I I'm usually a person that will minimize negative statistics. I, I don't even like to exaggerate. If I'm going to be two minutes late, I'm going to say I'm going to be about two minutes late. I'm going to try really hard to 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 nail my statistic and my estimate um, as closely to what I think as possible. In this case, I am not reducing it. I don't think there are 30% less avenues for Christian fiction. I think there's a lot more than that. I would lean more toward the 50% stat. Um, and here's, here's what's happened. Um, just since I've been involved in Christian writing and publishing, I can think of at least 10 large-scale imprints that have either shut down completely or merged or shut down parts of their business. Here's, here's what's happened. As, um, as, as readers can get books easier, for instance, um, Kindle, and, and online and digital books, as they can get them easier and as they can get them cheaper than it, like in, in digital and print on demand um, ab availability, then the old fashioned offset printing, they're not, it's much more expensive. And so those books aren't as um, valuable as they were before because they've been cheapened by being surrounded by so many other books and so the big companies the big publishing companies that were the only real source of being able to put books out slowly but surely they've had to back down on their costs because their books aren't selling as well because there's such an influx into the market I mean the market is bulging with excellent writing um, and so as a result those large publishing companies are canceling different lines, the lines that aren't doing really, really well. I remember being shocked when um, the Love Finds You line canceled because those were such amazing books. And I knew several of the authors that were working through them. Um, when, when some of the different lines have been canceled, there have literally been established authors left standing in the road. I say literally, of course not literally, but but you know what I mean, figuratively, left standing in the road. Um, their books, some of them even in the process of being published or have just been released or were about to be released, are effectively canceled. Their contracts are canceled. It takes months. Even a book that is only just, I remember in one case, a book had just been released. It had only been released for a few days. 
and the contract was canceled. It took months for the author to receive her rights back on this particular book, and then she couldn't get it placed with another company because it had already exhausted its first run um, purchases. It had already exhausted that. Even though it was only up for a few days, it had effectively been been published. Now, she did end up uh, indie publishing that, um, so it was able to go back up again, but it it was very difficult. It took almost a year for all of this to go back, and that's after waiting for almost a year for, for the book to actually be on uh, available. Um, it does take quite some time. The other thing is um, some companies have merged. For instance, let's just say that Great Books has uh, well, before I go into that, the different companies have spots for books for different genres because they're genre fiction. Um, and so great books, let's say, has 15 spots for historical fiction and another 20 spots for um, romantic suspense and 30 spots for romance and 10 spots for general and women's fiction. Let's just say that that's all that those are the only four four genres they publish and those are the spots they have and these are all for 2019. And yes, they do at this point, most publishing companies are working on 2019. Most publishing companies are not working on this year or next year. They are working on 2019. Um, some of the smaller publishing companies might be working on this year or next year, but they work way in advance because they want to have their they want to have their list already set up so they can have their books done way ahead of time. Um, in, even though my company, Right Integrity Press, is a very small company, we work really hard to get our books out four months before, get our books completely ready four months before um, their release date, just so that we can have them available for different options, for different promotion opportunities. Um, we don't always get there, but that's that's the goal. There are a lot of companies that they're they have every book that they're going to release. They have it out and ready for release, uh, prepared six months in advance. And so then you're just sitting around waiting for the next six months until your book releases. There are there is a long wait. That's why I mentioned patience. Um, the patience happens even after you've snagged that lucrative spot. Uh, you still have to have that patience. Um, but let's say that Great Books has these different places available. That's all the places that they have. And as they fill them, when you submit your historical manuscript, you might only be working for one of four open slots. There may only be four open slots for new authors. Um, they may have all the rest of them filled in-house that they've already they've already got. Uh, this lady is going to be doing a story on this because once you're an established author, you don't have to make proposals anymore. At that point, you basically just say, oh, this is my next story. And you talk to your editor and you flesh it out with your editor and your editor says, I love it. And they go with it. Um, so you may only have, you know, two or three, maybe four spots for a new author coming into a traditional publishing company. Those are gold. 
you've got hundreds of people that are seeking those very same spots. The bigger the company, the more people you have seeking those spots. And so you have to stand out. Not only does your book have to stand out, but you have to stand out because your editor or your agent, depending on if you're working for an agent, agencies also only have certain amount of spots. They don't, they don't over, over, um, uh, what's the word? They don't um, crowd their own clients. They want to make sure they don't have too many clients that do historical because they have to have too many clients that, that, that do historical. Their clients are going to compete with one another, and that's not what they want. So the agents are also going to have limited number of options available for you, a limited number of openings available for new authors. Uh, so you want to shine um, the thing about being an agent or an editor, and I can say this, it was really an eye-opening experience when I first started editing um, as, the, as the, um, the, the lead for Write Integrity Press. I actually have the final say in what books we take on. And it's more than just what books we take on. I get to choose who I work with. How many people get to say that? I mean, bosses are the only ones that get to say that. I get to choose who I work with. That is such a cool thing. And I can tell you that the authors with Write Integrity Press and Picks and Pens Publishing are amazing. I love, love working with these ladies. Right now, they're just ladies. Um, we don't have any gentlemen that are working with us, but that's okay. I mean, that doesn't mean we won't have gentlemen, but I love, love, love these ladies. Um, we created a family. We support one another with prayer. We promote each other. We encourage one another. It is, we laugh, we talk together, um, and even across the miles. And I, I mean, I absolutely love working with these ladies and I love being able to choose who I add to their number. And I'm very picky about who I add to their number because I don't want to do anything to mess up the, the group that we already have. <clears throat> Excuse me just a second. Thank you. Um, so it's the same way with any editing company. So not only do they have a limited number of spots that you need to work for, you also need to show yourself in the very best light you possibly can so that you can uh, glean one of those spots, so that you can have a chance at one of those spots. Um, I remember, and I have to tell you a little quick story, because like I said, when these shifts, when these different shifts occur, when um, what I was saying was um, Great Books, okay, Great Books has 15 spots in historical fiction. Let's say that Great Books merges with Awesome Books, and Awesome Books has 12 spots for historical fiction. Well, guess what? They no longer have 27 spots for historical fiction just in general they're not they're, that just that just limited they're not going to pull that down to mm, 20 spots for historical fiction so as an author we just lost seven spots that might mean that for a new author there's only one spot left instead of four but it often means that an established author now has to work to get one of those spots. This is really strange for established authors. Um, I have a good friend that um, 
she was involved in one of these company shifts a few years ago and she's she's one of my good friends and mentors and she hadn't written a full proposal in a decade she'd been established at her publishing house she just shared her latest idea and they would accept it or say ah, i think you need to work on it and she'd go back and and work on it a little bit more and then s- submit it again but never as a proposal um when all the house merging finished all bets were off and she actually had uh, after being a published author for over 20 years and having over 30 books she actually had to send out multiple proposals to get uh interest to get one of these lucrative spots with so very few that were even open. Um, And she wasn't the only one. I actually heard that from a couple of them. Several Christian writers have gone indie. Several successful Christian writers have gone indie. And just recently, because not because it's too hard to get the spot, but because even if you get the spot, there are no guarantees anymore. And so it's just easier to go ahead and take all of the proceeds and go indie and if you have the technical ability to do that there is a there is a a lucrative element to going indie because like i said you have control and that's that's very drawing that's very enticing to be able to have full control over your own book Um, however if you're going to go indie you need to make sure that you have some type of an audience first. You need to have a, a good, strong platform. Otherwise, you're going to put a book up and it's just going to sit there. Um, so you need to make sure that you do have a good, strong platform before you decide to go indie. Anyway, but we're talking traditional, so I'm going to keep going on the traditional. Um Again, like I said, what it does mean is you have to put forth your absolute best effort in everything. There are many things that go through an acquisition editor's mind as they read what you send them. So you got to make sure that you put yourself in the best light possible. That way, your book alone will set the stage for your acceptance. And that's what you want. You've written an amazing book. You don't want to get in the way of it. So make sure that everything you do is the best you possibly can do so that you don't get in the way of your book being accepted. And in this case, your book has to shine. Now, I know it's your baby. I know it's your baby. And your first reaction is sending it to your friends and sending it to your mom and, oh, they're going to love it because it's your baby. But if you're a first-time author and you want to take be taken seriously, that's not where you need to stop. Now, let me wait a sec for, for let me just wait just a sec because there's one little detail before I go any further. My discussion tonight is for those writers and authors who are wanting a career in writing. Now, if you've written a book, that's huge. I am not discounting that. Congratulations. You just did something that 85% of the population will never do is finish the book. Congratulations. That's outstanding. If you only want that book published, go for it. But this discussion isn't for you. Kudos to completing your manuscript. And there are dozens of excellent excellent subsidy press companies that you pay them to publish your book. You can get it in print in your little hands. You can give them away. You can sell them. Um, You can put them online if you want to with different subsidy presses. 
but don't try and go traditional publishing if you only have one book because the traditional publishing companies for the most part they don't want just one book they want career authors unless you're a celebrity I mean if you're a celebrity and you have an incredible backing um, and I mean you have millions of people who adore you and you have a fan base of over 3,000 300,000 well then by all means publish the one book because the traditional publisher is going to just eat up your royalties and love that um, but if you're a first-time author and you've just written a book and you're not you don't have 300,000 fans then you need to think about going the subsidy route. However, today we're talking more about those that do want to have a career in writing. Now, sometimes, oh, wait, before I go there, I, I do want to tell you something about the subsidy route because I looked into this last night. Um, please be careful. Make sure that you read reviews. Go email some of the authors who have published with them and ask them about their experiences um, because their comments that they that they make right away may change as they work with the company. Um, also go and look for their books on Amazon and see if they're actually still there because a lot of times they don't stay there. There are an awful lot of subsidy companies that will take your money and then they will you will pay exorbitant amounts on the offset just starting just to get your things published but then you won't see any uh, royalties at all unless you publish them I mean unless you purchase the books you purchase the books and you resell them yourself and that's the only way you're going to end up seeing them sold um, that's an expensive way to do business but there are an awful lot of companies that will do that in fact um, I mean you want to have your book available for order but you also, and you want to have it as a special author price, but you also want to be able to have people that are perfect strangers be able to pick it up off of Amazon or other outlets in order to purchase it. Um, I read a fairly recent article along these lines about one company, and I could tell you the name of it, but it doesn't matter because they've changed names several different times. Um, it took the money for the book, and it did. It made all kinds of promises. It had very little follow through. They did put the books available in ebook form, but the authors, um, at least two different authors, were, were the ones that wrote about this, never got any royalties from those ebook forms. And they found out that they had to order a certain amount of print books, and I'm talking in the thousands in order for the royalties to be released and so even though they were making you know a couple hundred dollars in royalties they couldn't get to that royalty until they ordered thousands of print books and it was part of the it was part of the um, hidden hidden legalese of this particular contract there were a lot of hidden costs with this company um, a, a couple of authors filed suit over the course of you know 10 years or whatever and they had really no legal legs because of the way the contracts were worded so from what I understood the company shut down and released all of the uh, manuscripts back into the hands the rights back to the to the um, to the author which is the other thing when you're using a subsidy press the rights of your book should not belong to the subsidy press you're paying for everything they should belong to you. Your the the subsidy press should not own anything. Um, you're paying 
them and they sh you should get in my opinion you should get full royalties unless you're still requiring work from the subsidy press in which case they should be able to take a fee but you should you should get full royalties from that subsidy press um, they should not own anything and if you should if you choose to take the book down it should be a no-brainer you should get the cover you should get the edited version because you've paid for all of that um, so the book should should remain yours when it comes to a subsidy press that's just my opinion um, you have to be very careful with the contracts and the way that they're worded. Anyway, getting back to this company, the company shut down, shut down its website, started up another company with another name and a different website, pulling the same practices. That company is now no longer in business um, and pulled up another one and then that company went out. I don't even know if this company is still in business because they keep changing their name. But if it's not, there are still others. So before you give any money to anybody, make sure you confirm all of the reviews. Um, doing a quick rundown just the other day of the popular subsidy press websites, this was something that I was surprised in. None of the largest ones seem willing to present their pricing lists on their websites. Um, they don't even give you a ballpark, which surprised me um, that you have to actually contact them for personal estimates. Now, that sounds very considerate and that sounds very professional, but the fact is they aren't putting any details about their fees until they garner your contact information. I don't know about you, but I always have a problem with companies that have to have my phone number and my email address before they will give me any information. Um, because to me, I know it's a business practice, but I don't like it. It's manipulative, um, and I don't and I don't like to manipulate either. It, yeah, if I want information, that's great, but I shouldn't have to be put on a spam tree to get the information. So. I didn't get any information on these large websites. I did find um, I did find a couple of smaller companies that had the courage to post their packages. I frankly would go with one of the smaller companies before I go with one of the bigger ones just because I don't like secrets. I don't like manipulation and I don't like secrets. I'm I know I'm supposed to be the head of uh, a publishing company, but I'm really not a business type. I'm a writer type. I'm an editor type. And I like the personal touch. And I don't like secrets and manipulations. That's just not my thing. Um, I still advise, however, checking out the reviews. Look into the testimonials. Search the author websites or their Amazon pages. But if you, and if you do decide to go with the subsidy press for your print book publishing, go ahead and publish an ebook as well. It's not extra expensive. It shouldn't be a whole lot of extra cost because setting up an ebook is not that much more difficult than setting up the print book. Um, and that way, more and more people can, can, uh, take advantage of your book can 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 get access to your book um, e-readers are not quite as 
popular as they were a couple of years ago, but a couple of years ago, they were incredibly popular. It was exploding. And so they've come down a little bit from that, but they're still very, very popular. Yes, people like print books in their hands. I do. I love having a print book in my hand, but I will carry my e-reader everywhere. And so I'm you know, I just have it. I have I have to buy purses that are big enough for my iPad because I like to bring my e-reading um, component, my e-reading app with me everywhere I go so that I have not only one book, I have my whole library. So if I'm not in the mood for this book, I can open another one. Um, so if you are only wanting to put out the one book, the great American novel, then I would say go the subsidy route. This discussion, the rest of this discussion isn't really for you. This is a discussion for those of you who want to be career authors. And you might not have the option of focusing solely on your writing all the time. But at the same time, you're not in this for the short term. You might have a full-time job and you only write in spurts here and there. Um, that's kind of where I am right now. I have a full-time job um, putting out books, and I love, love, love putting out books. That has got to be one of the coolest things I have ever gotten to do is to put out other people's books. But I still love to write. And so even though um, my writing time has been, oh, gosh, it's just disintegrated. And for months, I never even typed. I got really cranky because I do go into withdrawal when I'm not writing. But I, I am able to write again. But even if you've got a full-time job and you only have, can write in bits and pieces, you're not in this for the short term. You're in this for the long term. Um, and writing is your passion. Your stories continue to come to you. Your series continues to grow. So the first thing you need to do, and this is the very first step in making sure you're showing your best to editors and agents, is to hone your craft. Um, they, this can be done in several ways. And like I said, you send it to your mom, you send it to your friends, they all love it, that's not enough. You have you need to use this manuscript, your first manuscript, as your lab, as your writing lab. And you need to make it the best it can possibly be first by learning your craft. So there are all kinds of reputable authors with instruction and guideline books about novel writing. You might say, okay, wait a minute. I've been reading for years. I can certainly write. And that's actually not a, not a rare attitude that you've been reading, so of course you can write. I will not argue with you at all because you, likely you're an incredible writer. But I will say that it is often easy to identify the authors or writers who believe that, who believe that because they've been reading for years they can write. The genre writing of today is so different from the classical writing that we read through high school and college, and even recent with recent with recent sure to be classics. Um, it's it's different, and if you haven't studied today's genre writing, then you're already setting yourself up for failure. So there are some great books on craft, and you need to grab one. Um, now, I'm telling you this, and I can honestly say I have never written a book on craft. I've toyed with the idea, but I've never done it. I've never even really started it. I take it back. I have written a, a chapter outline, but that's about it. So the books that I'm suggesting you 
to you. Um, not only are they well received, most of them I've used myself and I'm not doing it for my benefit. So, okay, so this first series I'm going to tell you about is the Brilliant Writer series by Susan May Warren. Now, I actually used an earlier edition of this um, from the inside out, I think is what it was, and Book Buddy was the study guide with it. Um, these books are brilliant craft books. They, they opened my eyes to things I had never even considered. And this was after I wrote my first manuscript. So I ended up taking my first manuscript and using these books to make it better and better and better. And I still, when I went to the second manuscript, I was using these books. I, I used them several times. I still will pick them up and look through and and plot my next idea through this book to make sure that I'm not missing anything. Um, speaking of plot, there's another one by James. Okay, wait a minute. Let me tell you again who that was. That was Susan May Warren. Um, she's an extremely successful romance and suspense writer. It's called The Brilliant Writer Series by Susan May Warren. Um, then the second book is, actually it's two books um, from the author James Scott Bell, who's another brilliant author. Um, his book, Plot and Structure, was the first one that I got, and I loved it. Um, and then he also wrote Write Your Novel from the Middle. That was so eye-opening to me. It blew me away. I have learned so much from Mr. Bell um, as a beginning author, at, at mostly at conference workshops and listening to um, listening to the recordings from ACFW and other conferences. So that that was just, I've learned so much from him. And then The Art of Characterization by Faye Lamb. Now, Faye Lamb is one of the Right Integrity Press authors, and she's also an editor in her own right. She works for another company. I love characterization books. Um, and Faye is also one of my favorite romance authors, and I'm not lying just because she's one of our authors, she also, oh my gosh, her most recent book, Hope, just made me ball, ball more than once. I, I'm, I know I cry at commercials, but still, this one I had to look away and wipe the tears out of my eyes because I couldn't see anymore. It was such a good book. Um, and, and speaking of characterization books, because I do love them, The Complete Writer's Guide to Heroes and Heroines, 16 Master Archetypes. This one is by Tammy D. Cowden. Um, this is a great book because not only did it did it use Carl Jung's personality traits, which stemmed from Hippocrates' four temperaments, um, it also compared the different um, the different archetypes to movies that were popular enough that I actually recognized them. And so I have to tell you, after reading this book, I ended up spending a, a whole Saturday just watching one movie after the other. And they happened to be, okay, you're going to laugh. They happened to be the um, Avenger movies, the Marvel, all those, that series. I seriously sat and watched one after the other after the other and analyzed all the characters according to Cowden's um, archetypes. I had so much fun doing that. But that wasn't the only thing I learned from Cowden's book. I also ended up um, not so long ago teaching a psychology class to a group of homeschool um, homeschool high schoolers, and it was for a clep a clep course. And I ended up using Tammy's um, guide 
also in that because like I said it came from Carl Jung's um, personality traits and Hippocrates for temperament so it was so much fun doing that as you study your craft you're gonna find out if this is really where you want to be because you should love it it should be um, it should be eye-opening and inspiring and exciting and if it's not quite there then maybe the thing you want to do is just go ahead and publish just your one book um, this is just the first step though doing a doing a book study on your craft is just the first step I suggest you also take classes or directed instruction um, for instance going to conferences there are some excellent writing conferences and when you're in the writing mode and learning and honing mode go ahead and stick to the inexpensive conferences there are plenty all over the nation there are some really high dollar conferences like the ACFW which is an amazing conference in this case the ACFW and other really expensive conferences are also full of agents and editors um, in order to meet new authors. That's really why it's high dollar. Um, and so don't go to those conferences until you're ready to go meet agents and editors. If you're just in the honing and learning stage, so much of that can be done on a much more inexpensive level. And you don't want to spend your wad before you ever get ready to actually publish your book. Um, if your novel isn't complete and expertly polished, uh, going through all of the honing exercises, then you're not ready to share it with agents and editors. So make sure you don't try to get your manuscript accepted before it's ready, because that means that you're putting forth less than your best effort to people that are going to be able to make a difference in your career. And believe me, they remember names. So if you're going to put your less than best effort in front of them, they'll remember who you are if you want to wow them wait until your book is fully grown wait until it's gone through all of the polishing even if the timing seems perfect it's there's nothing that's going to hurt you to wait and find find the niche and make sure that your that your manuscript is just perfect for that niche so another study opportunity and like I said going through all of the honing exercises there's more than just one first we've got the books second we have conferences another is writing groups American Christian fiction writers has chapters all over the country our DFW chapter has monthly meetings um, I live in Dallas and our Dallas Fort Worth chapter is what it mean by DFW if you're not familiar we have experienced authors that teach all kinds of various elements to writing, all things publishing, from marketing to having a, a, a platform to building an, a readership to building newsletters to using Scrivener to all kinds of different um, options, different elements of writing and publishing. Some local writing groups also will have writing workshops. They'll have many conferences. They'll even have writing retreats. Um, again, inexpensive and with people on hand to help you with your with your writing. Take advantage of these. Um, join a Facebook Facebook writing group. Like Christian indie authors is a really good one um, that they discuss all elements of the publishing field. Um, you have to join it by invitation only, but you get a chance to hear back from various writing groups and study the different kinds of opportunities that are available. Um, 
you can also get involved in a critique group, and this is the last way to hone your craft to me. If you've listened to Publishing Lane before, you've heard me talk about my critique groups. Um, when we go to lunch, there are three of us and all, um, I and, and two others, and, and Jackie Castle, who I've already mentioned, is one of those. And my other critique partner is another amazing indie author, Patricia Packjack Carroll. When we go to lunch, we're the three amigas. Um, but on, and anytime we meet at our, at our monthly DFW chapter meetings, you know, we're buds, but when we have critique nights, we're the slaughterhouse three. Um, nobody goes away unscathed. Nobody, no manuscript gets away unbloodied um, because we really go through it and we ask the hard questions. Why is this character here? I mean, total rewrite questions like, I don't like this character at all. He is not hero material. He is not, or she is not, she is acting stupid. There's nothing worse than a stupid main character. Okay, I'm going to tell you that right now. There's nothing worse than a stupid main character. Please don't write a stupid main character. Um, we really, we really hold our toes to the fire. And I love that because I learned so much. Even now, I mean, I've been doing this for too many years and I critique on a daily basis when it comes to, my editing um, when it comes to my own my my publishing books um, but I still learn from these ladies and and they learn from me I don't know how but they learn from me it is so um, such an, a great group um, when I first started in this career I was serious about doing anything and everything I could to improve my writing and to hone my craft so I learned so much through my critique groups. Now, that is plural. It was groups. I went across town every Tuesday to have 10 pages of my manuscript critiqued. And then on Wednesday, I'd take all of those notes through the entire manuscript to make sure that the same issue didn't come back up. Then on Thursday, I'd drive across town in the other direction with 10 new pages for critique. Now, let me just tell you, when I say across town, I'm saying across Dallas. This is not this is not a small town. I mean, I know it's smaller than some places, but not an area. And so when I say I'm driving across town on Tuesday, one way, an hour and 15 minutes. On Wednesday, on Thursday, one way, 47 minutes at the very least. And so, and that's just, that's just one way. So I was driving like crazy. We were, the gas was going higher and our cost was going higher but it was important to me and it should be important to you that nothing is going to stand in your way from improving um, your manuscript now these groups were merciless I say merciless they were merciless when it came to giving me pointers but they were so kind and so careful to make sure they didn't hurt my feelings which was really good at the beginning but then I kind of developed a thick skin which I really didn't think I would ever have but I did and I love a good hard critique boy it makes me mad sometimes but at the same time they're there to help me and to help my book get better and I end up learning so much more when the critique is tough than I do when the critique is easy on me so now I have my two partners that continued to teach me, they forced me to question why I made the choices that I did in my plot line and in characterizations. You need to make sure that you have some partners that you can trust that are going to be invaluable to you as you continue to improve your book.
So after you do the best you can on your book and honing your craft and passing it through critiques, you're still not done. You need some objective opinions on your story. So go to a few prolific writers who haven't read any of your book, like a librarian or a teacher. Those are great choices. And ask them to read your best copy. And then ask them questions about your book. Maybe something like an on the scale of one to ten question, like how would you compare my plot line to the most recent book you've read? Or how deep is my main character on a scale of one to ten? How do my supporting characters contribute to the story? Um, how would you rate the romance or the suspense or the mystery or the historical value How would, on a scale of one to ten? Questions like this um, are like these, especially if you give optional comments and, and if they fill them out, that's even better. They can really help you know if your book is ready. Okay, but now here we are, 10 minutes left. Let's get to the meat of tonight's discussion. Um, I hope I've given you already a few things to think about. So your book is polished and it's now ready to pitch, but there are a few things you need to have prepared. First, you need to have a book blurb. This is a teaser for your book, something that's going to entice the folks to read the story without telling too much. Now, I've heard some experts explain that you don't need anything past chapter one, but honestly, I sometimes think you need to draw from later in the book than just the first chapter. Still, you don't want to tell the best parts, all of the best parts in this blurb. That's what movies tend to do. Have you ever seen a movie where the best scenes are in the teaser and then you go and see the movie and there's nothing any good with between those teaser movies. I mean, I've, I've seen that. I've heard that. I've been in that situation. You do not want to be that author. So share the problem. Share the lies that your character might believe, their greatest hope or their, their goal or what's keeping them from realizing their goal. But don't share everything you know. And above all, do not share any ha happily ever after at all. No hint of resolution should go in your teaser whatsoever. So that's the first thing you need to have ready. And then the second thing you need to have ready is a pitch. Sometimes this is called an elevator pitch because it needs to be fast enough that you can share it with someone in an elevator before you get to the floor that you're going to. That's the way it was established. Um, so it needs to be just like a sentence or two. It needs to bring the best of the story to life. For instance, my elevator pitch for my recent release, Counterpoint, is how can a woman survive when ultimate power wants her dead? Another elevator pitch for the same book, someone wants to complete the final job of a murdered hitman. These are little bitty pieces that should create questions in the eye in the ears of the listener um, if you word your pitch well you're going to have the agent or the editor intrigued before you ever get to any proposals but that's the next thing you have to have available your proposal this is going to include your blurb and pitch some proposals will also include a plot line syllabus a marketing plan platform details, how many you have in your audience, and other bits of data. Most also require the first one to three chapters of your little baby. When it comes to that proposal, though, there are some do's and don'ts because this is when you're conning your agent or editor. This is your first impression. You need to make it count in all the best ways. So I'm going to talk about the do's first. Here's a big do. 
make sure you do your homework. I've talked about this on a different show. Make sure you do your homework. Make sure you know about that agent or editor. They're, every agent or editor has a different way that they want to receive your proposal. And guess what? They tell you what it is. On their website, they're going to have a submissions um, requirement. And so you need to go and look at what they want in their submissions. Some of them are only going to want a brief letter. Some are going to want to see everything they possibly can. Some are going to want to see one chapter. Some are going to want to see four chapters. Make sure you know what they want and give them that. No more and no less. Don't give them more than they want. Don't give them less than they want. Okay, then I've got another do. This one is, big, is, is as big. It might even be bigger. This one is something personal. You need a teachable spirit. It's not necessarily a natural thing for an artistic, artistic temperament to have a humble attitude, but it's huge. Like I said, the editor or agent has the luxury of choosing who they want to work with. So give them every reason to choose you so that you're not going to get in the way of your book. Okay, and then here's the next do. Just like you want to make your manuscript perfect, you want to offer the best and po most polished proposal that you possibly can. So let others read it. Let others approve it. If they don't like it, listen to their suggestion, especially if more than one person has the same thing to say. Um, and then the last thing is, and this is just a personal thing, write a letter in your email. That's what an email is for. Don't send an empty email and and then connect the attach the letter later that's this is your first connection use it to the fullest okay and as i'm going through don'ts let's talk about don'ts don't give more than the editor agent wants they've set up the requirements for their own reasons and they will not thank you for giving them more than they want in fact it gives an indication that you don't respect their wishes here's another don't don't give them less than they ask for there's a reason for every single element in the proposal package. Give them every piece of it. Um, like I said, don't include your cover letter as an attachment to your blank email. Go ahead and connect with that agent or editor in the email. Do not send the wrong type of manuscript. This goes back to the big do. You've done your homework. There is no faster way to get a silent pass on your project than to send it to someone that doesn't want it. For instance, Every publishing company and agent has posted the submission requirements. Don't ignore that. We post on our website that we are clean and wholesome fiction. Yes, we do do a lot of Christian fiction, but it's not only Christian fiction. It's clean and wholesome. So why would I be getting erotica in my, in my acquisitions editor's email um, box? Yes, we have. And in the same way, our um, picks and pens publishing is our nonfiction imprint. It's a niche for Christian lifestyles and discipleship books. So why would I get a proposal for casinos in Vegas? Yes, I have. I don't know why, but it's the fastest way to get a silent pass. We don't even bother responding because they didn't give us any honor in not even looking at our website. Um, so one last tip I want to share. Publishing a book, whether traditional or some other source, it takes time. It takes patience. I know in my own experience as an author, often it took months before a publisher would ever get around to looking at my, my proposal. So make sure that when you've reached this stage, the best advice is to ask God's blessing on your book and let it go. And then start writing the next one. Um, 
Now, before I sign off, and I only have a couple of minutes left, I want to share with you some two really big things that are going on today. Well, actually, there's more than that because, hello, happy 4th of July, yay. And then there's this radio show that I just am about to finish. But also, um, Deborah D. Harper is releasing her book through Right Integrity Press. It's called Faux Pas. And this book deals with a wedding, which isn't so strange in the summertime. The bride is the daughter of a pastor from a teeny tiny town in Virginia, and she hasn't told her parents much about the man that she's marrying. She's told them nothing, in fact, about the fact that his faith is waning. She's not told them that he already has a child, a ready-made grandson for him, but perhaps her biggest faux pas is omitting the little detail that his uncle is the sitting president of the United States. Oh, yeah. She messed up big time, but she isn't nearly isn't she isn't in nearly as much trouble as the president. I have a little confession with regard to because I ended up um, editing it at a McDonald's. Big mistake. I was guffawing all over McDonald's, and it, it really embarrassed me, but I had so much fun reading it. The second thing that we have going on today is our summer love and sale, which starts today, and it goes for a week. Five of our best romances are our 99 cents each, and these are some of our most outstanding books, including award winners. Um, and so if you take a look at our website right now, writeintegrity.com, you'll find out what books are on sale for the next week. Um, so I want you to join us next month. Between now and then, you can email any questions you have to downpublishinglane at gmail.com, downpublishinglane at gmail.com. Remember that lane is spelled L-A-I-N-E, like my name. Um, this is Margie Lane. And we are with Right Integrity Press, and I'm saying happy 4th of July. I hope it is wonderful for you, and I hope to hear from you. So let me hear from you, and have a great 4th. Welcome to Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine. This has been Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. If you'd like to learn more about Margie and her publishing company, visit writeintegrity.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-I-N-T-E-G-R-I-T-Y.com. At MetroPCS, we let the numbers do the talking. Four, enjoy a reliable 4G LTE network that's faster than Sprint. Two, get two free smartphones when you switch to MetroPCS. 99, the percentage of people in the U.S. covered by MetroPCS. Get two free Samsung Galaxy J3 Prime smartphones when you switch. MetroPCS, wireless figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network are active on MetroPCS in past 90 days. Coverage claim based on talk text coverage. Speed claim from downloads. See store for details, terms, and conditions. At MetroPCS, we let the numbers do the talking. 
four. Enjoy a reliable 4G LTE network that's faster than Sprint. Two, get two free smartphones when you switch to MetroPCS. 99, the percentage of people in the U.S. covered by MetroPCS. Get two free Samsung Galaxy J3 Prime smartphones when you switch. MetroPCS, wireless figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network are active on MetroPCS in past 90 days. Coverage claim based on talk text coverage. Speed claim from downloads. See store for details, terms, and conditions.